welcome back to Technically Self-Published. I'm Ash, amateur author and professional teenager. This is season one, Do You Believe in Monsters? You can take everything I say here as canon. There are spoilers, so check out my complete reading of the book first. Holland snores, his orange spikes resting into the cushion of the seats. Scorion is on the opposite side, trying to plan a quick route to Ethia. The comforting steering wheel of the Malaya squeaks quietly under my direction. My stomach growls, and I realize we haven't eaten in days. My fingers dance across the surrounding screens before returning to the wheel. The space map says there's a diner on the space station, Impact, that's free for public use. And anyway, it's the closest place to eat at. At this point, I'd eat almost anything. I give the ship an extra kick of speed, and it darts off in the direction of the station. I rarely get the chance to drive, even though it's my ship. That's probably a good thing, since most people would describe me as a reckless driver and a terror on the road. And also, no, you can't drive. Holland sharp points keep him fairly stuck to the battery seats on the raised area. And even though Scorion can fly, he also can't breathe in space, like most life forms. So he holds onto the small railings and braces himself against the indelicate instruments that ring the back end of the millennia. Naya, don't get us killed, he shouts, and I can feel his heat on the back of my neck. Holland isn't awake yet, though he probably will be soon. I pull the throttle down abruptly as we skid into the parking lot of the space station impact. Spinning, we finally come to rest in a compact parking space. Scorion climbs up to wake Holland and shoots me a glare. In return, I grin like a maniac. Come on, wake Lazy Scales up there and let's grab some grub. And anyway, you never let me have any fun. I say nonchalantly over my shoulder. Scorion sighs and resumes his thorough shaking of our friend. After Helen wakes up, he blearily follows Scorion and I to the small elevator that that sits tucked into the corner of the parking lot. Cramming ourselves in, we quickly realize this, that this elevator does not fit two demons and a Zayakai comfortably. Scorion's wings are folded inward to accommodate all of us, and I can tell he's trying to keep his flames to a minimum for my sake. Helen, why'd you bring the package? I ask flatly. In his black scaly hands, Helen is holding the mailbox that we're meant to deliver. I didn't want it to get stolen. He speaks slowly, sounding kind of confused. By who? The parking lot was practically empty, I demand. Um, criminals? Holland looks away, embarrassed. I facepalm, hit my elbow against the hard metal box, and promptly fall down. Why must I be surrounded by idiots? Scorion sighs, and a cloud of smoke escapes and dissipates in the cramped chamber. Fortunately, the elevator dings to let us know we've arrived at the diner, and we tumble out in a jumble of limbs and flickering flame. The dingy diner's dingy occupants barely notice as we compose ourselves and walk to the diner. Holland orders an energy booster, I ask for water, and Scorion requests some milk. His fires die down as he nurses the drink. The other people in here give us strange glances, which are well-deserved. You don't really see people like Holland and Scorion in your run-of-the-mill space station eatery. Holland, noticing the strange glances, starts staring back at everyone. I elbow him and he looks at me. What? He tilts his head as though he were a puppy and not a lizard. I sigh and wave over the bartender. Hey, can we get something to eat? I'm starving, I complain. The bartender stares at me, the purple irises burning in their eyes. I ignore their impatient gaze and proceed. Okay, I'll have a burger with extra pipe sauce. Holland will have the florid steak and my fiery friend here will take a salad. I focus on the menu while cl- casting glances from side to side to receive approval from both Scorion and Holland. 
The bartender turns around and their hairy purple arms fly about hectically. With the diner so quiet, I can hear them muttering under their breath, but I don't understand them and I don't really care to. Suddenly, they whirl around and slam a blue steak between me and Holland. Eagerly, Holland slides the plate towards himself and prepares to devour the steak. He stopped short, however, by an extremely angry, tall, and hulking gavian. They're wearing a biker helmet and a vest that doesn't quite fit them. That's my steak, they bellow. You smell drunk, says Holland mildly. Scorion turns around and instinctively moves towards me. The gavian biker ignores the increase in temperature and grabs the collar of Holland's shirt. Don't you mess with me, boy, they yell. Scorion's flames look at my coat. I stand on tiptoe and and tap the belligerent biker on their head. They whirl around angrily. Holland makes it sound like, Urk. I think you should probably unhand my associate, I recommend politely. Stay out of this, stupid woman. I step back, surprised, and and steps forward. I would apologize, he replies, smooth and cold as ice. Oh, yeah, or what, little man? They sneer down at Scorion. But perhaps I got a little too close. See, the thing with fire and alcohol is that alcohol is very flammable. And apparently, drunk people tend to spill their alcohol out. So when the greasy and suspiciously stained shirt started to smolder, I shouldn't have been surprised. Fortunately, they dropped Holland, who ran over to us. Bail! I yelled. I took off running back towards the elevator. Holland and Scorion followed quickly after me. I could feel the intense heat from Scorion as we ran. I looked back and saw that his feet were leaving smoking imprints in the floor. We made it to the elevator and quickly crammed inside. Hot, 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 hot! I yelped. Scorion's flames burning uncomfortably close. The floor sizzled at our feet, and Holland frantically ran buttons, his claws scratching the panel. Suddenly, the floor gave way, and we were in freefall. With only seconds to spare, I closed my eyes, focused, and hoped. I slowly opened my eyes. I don't think I'm dead yet. A gruff voice barked. Hey, you okay there, sweetheart? I looked up into the navy blue face of the demon. They had the face of a pig, goat legs, and bat wings. We floated just above the floor of the elevator shaft. Yeah, I'm okay, I say shakily. They lowered me down. Scorion floated above us, carrying a relief-looking Holland. Thanks a lot. It's Vermouth, Vermouth barked. And if you don't mind, sweetheart, I'd like to get back. I'm watching the game. Ooh, who's winning? asked Holland. Stand six slingers, they replied. Well, I suppose I'll let you go. Thanks again for the save. Vermouth, you can go. I cut in. Vermouth collapsed into a small point of red-black energy, which slowly faded away. I breathed a sigh of relief. I looked up and around. Now how do we get out of here? I asked aloud. Mines fell on a set of large elevator doors. Of course, I exclaimed. Holland, can you get those doors open? I pointed. Sure thing, Naya, he replied. As Corian lowered him down, his flames slowly fading into a soft smolder. He placed his claws in the crack and pulled. There was a great screeching of metal on metal, and the doors were open. We calmly walked through into the parking lot. I quickly no- located our ship and slipped into the driver's seat. Holland and Scorion climbed in after me. I revved the engine and we glided smoothly out of the station. Holland, can you check navigation? Where am I going? I asked, turning my head expectantly. Naya, eyes on the road. It looks like there's a shortcut through an asteroid belt, or we could go around, which would take longer. 
By the way, I'm so hungry. Then eat scorion, I reply, turning the Molian towards the belt. Oh, and also hold on. I speed up as we approach the ashray belt and smirk to myself. We zoom past floating rocks as our ship twists and turns, narrowly avoiding the asteroids. A larger asteroid looms in front of us, as holy as Swiss cheese. I speed up yet further and go into a tight barrel roll, spinning through a large hole in the center. A thrill runs through me as I pull up just in time to avoid a crash with an asteroid. The ship slips through and between rocks as smoothly as a needle through fabric. Suddenly, we're through, and the millennium breaks out into open space. I slow down and we glide through the deep void. I relax somewhat, my pulse still racing, and turn around to see a very alarmed scorion at a sleeping hollow. That lizard can sleep anywhere, I exclaim, surprised. Really, you are the worst driver in the galaxy, scorion reproves, clearly annoyed. I grin and turn back to the controls. This is why I do this, though. Er, chipping, I mean. With excitement and adventure, I say over my shoulder. There's a long, awkward pause. So, shouldn't we talk about what happened back there? Yeah. Look, I'm really sorry, but you know I can't control it. I don't want to get arrested for arson. Maybe you should try. I shoot back. We lapse into silence. I sigh. Can you take the wheel? I want to get some shut-eye. Scorion silently walks up and relieves me of my duties. I take a seat beside Holland and eventually fall asleep. This is why I do this, though. Shipping, I mean. There's excitement, adventure. Note that I did not say excitement, adventure, and really wild things. Because I don't want to get sued. <clears throat> it's Vermouth. Vermouth parked. And if you don't mind, sweetheart, I'd like to get back. I'm watching the game. Ooh, who's winning? Asked Holland. It's 10-6 slingers, they replied. I don't really talk much about the other dimension in my books. I don't think of it as the classic hell or whatever. More like a warped version of our reality. They have their own food and sports and such, but there aren't really different races. Every intelligent life form in that dimension is a race demonic, even though they all look radically different. Also, I make the distinction of intelligent life as the people of some races can look very animal-like, but they have a language and complex thought and so on. Take, for example, Jacknicks. He looks like a normal space animal, but he's sentient and intelligent. Well, the intelligent part's debatable. The space map says that there's a diner on the space station impact that's free for public use, and anyway, it's the closest place to eat at. The impact actually appears in all three books, kind of as a running joke, but I digress. Most space stations are privately owned and not open to the public. I'm not talking about small space stations like restaurants or refueling stations. I'm talking about much larger, multi-level stations. Some or orbit planets, others, like the impact, do not. Usually when I say space station, I mean a large, privately owned base. Mostly they're used as isolated mansions, but occasionally, as we'll see in book two, they have clubs or groups or generally act as a meeting place. Uh, rarely the stations are military in nature. They say a word that's a little racist and a lot unfriendly. I kind of wanted the galaxy in my book to be more ideal, with very little racism or homophobia. Only a few people still harbor bigoted or generally xenophobic ideas in the larger galaxy, so it doesn't come up often. So because of this, I always refer people to people as they, unless their gender is known by Naya. See, since I'm writing from a first-person perspective, if Naya doesn't know their pronouns, then I shouldn't write that. If it was from a third-person perspective, then I could, because the author or narrator, I would know that. But Naya doesn't. This contributes to my ideal galaxy. You can't be misgendered if no one assumes gender. 
this, I would say, is more important to me as a member of the LGBTQ plus community because a lot of transgender people get misgendered, and it's often very harmful. That's all for now. Thank you for listening. This has been my book, Do You Believe in Monsters? I hope you enjoyed it.